Hey guys, welcome back to part two of It's Bigger Than Your Wildest Dream. This is your girl Marley and you are tuned in to the podcast known as Yep, She Said It. Buckle up, it's going to be a continuation, but first we're going to start with Marley's message. Hey guys, it's your girl Marley and you are tuned back into part two and this is Marley's message. So, you know, last episode we were discussing, um, you know, your, it's wild, it's bigger than your wildest dreams. So your thoughts, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations that, you know, sometimes in that process, not everyone understands how you think, why you think, um, you know, and your experience and your journey that you're going through. And just that quickly, you know, I already had this, this episode recorded, but I actually decided to re-record this message based on some feedback that I've received um, through Twitter and through some direct messages on Instagram, that it appeared to really resonate with you all and that you, there's many, I feel like there's so many people that never get to communicate um, their passion or how painful or how lonely sometimes the journey can be. And I'm just here to tell you that you're not alone. I'm here to tell you that it gets better, that as you grow up, through the process and you make the connections and you build new relationships and networks and business plans and you meet people that are like-minded, you start to develop the team, that it does get easier, but your eyes still have to remain open because even as you build teams, not everyone is in it for the same reason. So today I want you to really think about what's the big picture? What is your ultimate goal? What is your plan? Why? Why is that your plan? Why is that your goal? What in your life can you hold on to so that as you grow in your success, so as you grow with the accomplishment and the recognition that you will receive from this, what is your why? What is keeping you humble? And as a professor actually made, uh, has actually put in my mind as I'm doing research and as I'm building my um, proposal and all that fun stuff, (laughs) his question is, so what? So, so what? So if you think about if someone comes to you and you share with them what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it, they may reply to you, so what? You have to be prepared for that question and that opportunity because it may be that one door that opens that allows you to prepare and to excel into into the next dimension of success for yourself. Because if you haven't truly thought about it, if you don't find that peace or that anchor that allows you to remain humble and connected and also allows you to remain driven, it gets very difficult to continue the path. And we've all been in that. We've all had jobs that we're not passionate about, relationships that we're just in because it's comfortable. Um, Maybe the place that we live is just because it's comfortable, but we know we can do better. Never forget what your anchor, what is your peace that is weighing you down that you are determined to get through life with. Doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it that much quicker for you to accomplish. But when you have that anchor and you have that weight that says, you know what, never forget what this was. You don't have to look back. You don't have to sit in it, but you need to recognize what that was. For some people, it may be poverty. For some people, it may be pain. For some people, it may be grief. For some people, it could be the lack of education. Whatever that is, it has shifted you and and maneuvered you in a way that you are focused enough, not only to lift yourself, but to lift and empower others and make sure the way that your mind is working and things that you, and the things that you are recognizing and making a conscious effort to change, that it is community-based, meaning that you are going to give back. You are going to help. You are going to uplift because what you've gone through, there's so many other people that are, that are, or will experience it. 
And I think if we start to shift our mindset to know that it's not just us and that it's not just about us, the world and our communities will be such a bigger place. But we it starts with the individual then it starts with the small community that you interact with. And then it can start with your city and your town and all of that. And you may say, well, Marley, how are you doing this? Like, what is, how are you being an example? So with my passion, being Black female collegiate athletes, that's what my research is, that's what's my dissertation topic, and that's my career path. And I'm so passionate, one, because I went through it. I was a collegiate athlete, I'm a Black female, and there are experiences that I know are directly related to me and my experience post-sports, during sports, and in the professional world. And I want others to be prepared so they don't have to experience the pain or the transition of no longer being an athlete and how you function in this world. So my community is a specific population, is not going anywhere. I'm a direct image of them. I can visualize myself in the moment of being an athlete. I can also be the example for them post-athletics. So that's what you have to, you have to figure out who your population is, who are you trying to help and why you, you know what I'm saying? The people that you serve, you don't always have to necessarily um, go through exactly what they went through, but there should be something that's authentically legit that's connecting you to them so that when you talk to them, it's not BS. Because the thing is, we can't help each other if we don't believe and really understand and can place ourselves in the shoes of others to help them get through it. You know what I'm saying? So that would be my biggest thing to you that yes, it's bigger than your wildest dream. But you have to understand that you have to understand why you're having this dream. Why are you at this place right now? And what is your next move? And again, what is the bigger, what is the bigger picture? What is the final or the ultimate? Now, it doesn't mean that that's as big as it's going to get. And that's the only place you're going to go. Absolutely not. But if you have something to reach towards, it will happen. Example for myself, I have a book that I'm working on, and I tell you it's the most challenging process to actually sit down and write. I have papers for class, I have things I can knock out with no problem. But in this situation, it has been so difficult. So I have to give myself a deadline. By the end of the June, this manuscript will be done. No questions asked, period, point blank. If I choose to wait to last minute, that's it for me. But I know that in order for me to do what I'm trying to do, I have to create things that Marley has made, that she has created, that she has believed in, and her blood, sweat, and tears, and no one can challenge what I do and why I do what I do. So that's the direction that you need to go. That's the mindset that you need to have. And I haven't said this before, but if you ever have questions or you need help with anything, I'm here for you. I am more than, you are more than welcome to contact me to let me know because I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'll give you my contact information at the end of this podcast episode and and we'll work on it. It's not easy. It's a process. But if you have a plan, you can get there. And just remember, everything that you want can be bigger than you've ever imagined, bigger than your wildest dream. Let's get into it. Guys, so this is our second segment, and it is called You Tried It. By now, you should know what You Tried It means, what it stands for, why I say that, and what I usually pull in this segment. So, with this episode being part two, it's going to be a continuation of some of the topics that I talked about last episode with a little more research um, that I've been able to do and just things that I really feel are relevant for right now and what's going on. So with that said, I wanted to go ahead and give you more information about what's happening at Morehouse and the gentleman named Robert F. Smith, who made the commitment to paying off um, students 
the Morehouse graduates of the 2019 class their student loans. Now, what he said was a grant. So what's, he's going to, you know, develop a grant that will help to eliminate that. And what's been very interesting is that people have been trying to give like I've, I've been seeing some negativity about it. Right. And I'm like, why? Why would you even find something negative to say? Like, you have to be honestly so miserable to find anything negative about this, because if you've ever been a student, for someone to even recognize that your debt places a barrier for a long time in your life, and then if you continue to further your education, your master's, your doctorate, like myself, the debt just continues. Just continues. Like, if I had to pay for undergrad, I was on an athletic scholarship. If I would have had to pay for undergrad, I don't think I would have gone past my master's because the debt is that bad. I just hit six figures in debt last semester. And I have about a year to go because I'm giving myself three years to graduate with this doctorate a year to go. So I'm going to be well into six figures. You feel me? Like basically 10,000 a semester is what it's costing me around like seven or 8,000 a semester is is what it's costing me. So I could not imagine if someone came in and said, boop, we got you. So I'm just like, first of all, if you've never been in this situation, you don't need to speak. That's the first thing. Now, with Robert F. Smith, he is a billionaire, estimated worth $5 billion from what I've seen. Um, you know, I've read some things on Forbes. I've read some things on Essence. read some things on the Lavoie, the Savoy Show, um, Jasmine Brand, everything. You know, I really want to see the information that was consistent of what I could share to you guys. Share to you guys. So he went to Cornell University where he also actually did the same thing and pledged to help out students. Now, I don't think he's ever done, from what I've seen, anything this big, but he's done some big stuff. Um, and he is 56 years old. And so what he what he's pledged to do is create a grant, like I mentioned earlier. So what that would be is an estimated around $40 million. And what I don't think is getting mentioned, he already gifted the school million in addition to the 40 million that he's going to be wiping out for these students. And what I thought was interesting is he is actually a part of a pledge. So a while back, I actually saw this on a view a few weeks ago, the wife of Bill Gates, they have a pledge that basically is called, I think it's called like giving back or, um, the give back pledge or whatever, but, but, but basically they are asking millionaires and billionaires to give, back and to help because at the end of the day, they cannot spend all the money that they have. So he has signed that pledge and this is what he has done. And I think that is so amazing because he could have did anything that he wanted with that money. Forget race, forget gender, whatever. But he he saw a need. He understood it. He's not disconnected to where he did not want to help them or see a need in it. He could have just gave the one point five million to the school and been done with it because, I mean, that's great. But he decided to let these students know we see you and you can get to where I'm getting to. And in order for that to happen, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And I think that's so powerful. And one thing that I've been saying that, again, is crazy to me in this situation, because it truly is irrelevant. Is his is his history? Um, he is he's been married twice, and his current wife is a former, I think, a Playboy model or a, I want to say Playboy. That part I didn't like double check, but I heard it on something. I don't remember what it was though, so we'll just say allegedly to keep me safe. Um, that she's a model, 
And people are saying, oh, this is, you know, he doesn't even believe in black love and he's not married to a black woman. And I'm like, as much as I am about black love, as much as I am the first one to call out some foolishness, I've done it on this podcast numerous times. This is not, this has nothing to do. You are just looking for something. You are reaching for something. You are a hater in this situation. So again, have several seats in my best Tamar Braxton voice because you definitely tried it. This man, okay, is known for his equity firm that involves with technology and software development of all sorts. And I think it's amazing because this is, again, a man that is setting an example, not just through his donation, but what he does. And I know there's a big drive worldwide, honestly, in regards to the STEM field, the STEAM field, um, all of that to really elevate. And there's not enough people of color in that area. And so this is a man who is setting an example by just being there. And then he took it to the next level. So how can you be upset at all? You know what I'm saying? So I, I continue to say that this is amazing. I continue to say, let this be, um, you know, just, just an example for us. And one thing that I actually, I don't comment a lot on Instagram with clapbacks, but I had to, I was scrolling through and somebody commented on Oprah, uh, Oprah posted, um, you know, she has her, her girls from Africa that she, uh, you know, they went send to her school in Africa and then they come here and they go to college and graduate. And so this year she went to a total of 19 or 20 gra- graduations, I believe. And somebody was like, oh, you should have, you should have paid off uh, the tuition you know, at Morehouse, basically saying she should have did what this guy did if she really trying to do something. And so Oprah was like, up, oh, you tried it because I've already sent over 400 men to, to Morehouse and I've donated 13 million, um, and you know, with colleges and things like that. So my thing is, and I said, and I know I got some friends out there and, and listeners that are not Oprah fans and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm standing by Oprah. Yes, we may feel that she has not done all that she can for the black community. I don't feel that way, but a lot of people do. And the reason I don't feel that way, because I know for a fact that everything that I've done for somebody on my level, which is way smaller than Oprah's, has not been announced. So I've done things that people don't even know that I've done it. You know what I'm saying? I've given people stuff where I didn't even have it to give. But do I announce that? Do I make a post? Do I do this? No, no. And if you believe in God, like I wrote on the on my comment, he, God ain't even here for that kind of stuff. He don't want you to be out here saying, oh, I did this. I did that. I did. That's not how it works. So I just have to go in good faith to say that, hey, Oprah has not forgotten about our people. She is continuing to do what she wants to do, how she wants to do with her money. It doesn't make her any less of a person, even better of a person. She has chosen to contribute in ways that she does. And can I be mad at that? No. And I'm like, okay, people. So the same people that's talking about her, if Oprah called you tomorrow, boo-boo, and said, hey, I have a show that I want you to speak and use what you've been doing, and here's a new platform for you. You're going to tell me, oh, no, I can't work with you because you ain't been helping Black people your whole life, and I don't want to be caught up in this. No. Oprah is also a person that, from what I understood, Tom Cruise tried to get her back in the day to join the whole Scientology movement, and she turned it down. So when I say this is a woman that is in her own belief, on her own path, who believes in God, um... I can't, I can't be mad. I can't question nothing. And I will not be mad. And I am waiting for the day to get a call, to get an email, to get a text to say, Hey, we need you over here on the West coast. Boop, boop out. You know what I'm saying? So understand for what it is. Yes. People think and want to do more and I get it, but I see it as to each their own. And 
I will contribute and maybe help in the ways that others feel that she has not. Because for anything that she's done for me, she's shown me that it's possible. That she is a little girl from Mississippi that went through some hard times and has made it out. And there, I guarantee you, there are a lot of things that we won't know. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't know a lot of things until the person passes away. And at, even at that point, I don't think it's any of our business. Now I'm going to jump into um, Pamela Shante Turner. I talked about her as well. She was the black woman in Texas, this small town, I think it was called Baytown outside of Houston. And just to follow up and update on that, she was, um, just a recap, she was shot five times by an officer. I've also done a little more research on him. He is an 11-year veteran. So that even infuriated me even more. So this is a person that has been a cop for 11 years, and you are telling me that you could not de-escalate the situation, you couldn't call for backup, but instead, are sh- you know what, I'm going to even say this. You, They teach you how to shoot, Correct. So you shot with the intent to kill when you could have shot to maybe, de- uh, is it demobilize the person or immobilize the person? I don't know. But that's, those are the kind of questions I have. So as I'm looking at research, it is again said that I guess he tased her somehow. She got a hold of the taser and and aimed the taser at him. And I think she actually um, shot the taser at him. And I just find that hard to believe because I'm like, she was the one on the ground. But Stories are saying that that's what happened. Um, I even reviewed in Essence Magazine online, and they're saying the same thing as well. And so after the taser was turned on the cop, the cop in turn fired and shot five times um, trying to kill her. And from what I've been reading is that she was actually trying to go back into her home. And the family has since come out with statements saying that she has filed complaints and harassment of that officer in the past. So I think this goes much deeper than we will ever know. And I think that would ever reach out to the public. I think in the community that, community that she lives in, the Houston and Texas area, overall, I think you guys will get more information than we will. It's just like things that happened with the R. Kelly case when I was in Chicago, um, maybe two and a half, three weeks ago, R. Kelly and Jesse Smollett were clearly on the news, where in the rest of the world, they ain't on our TV that much. You know what I'm saying? Unless somebody didn't show up to trial or whatever. But even then, it's not a major topic. So I think this is something that we're going to miss, but I want to know what is going to happen and what is the protocol for that? Because even still, the taser did not take him down. Okay? The taser is still not going to kill him. So... I don't know. I'm like, it would be a different story if he was tased and he was on the ground and, you know, then you think that the person can take your gun. I understand. I, I, I get it. But I just feel that as an officer, there is some pro- there is some problem solving skills, some protocol, some things that you do to disarm a person that doesn't threaten the officer without killing them. And I know that for a fact, because I see too much, too many things in the news where the person they are trying to arrest is clearly attacking physically the cop and they are still alive, still alive. So to tell me that he felt his life was threatened, I just, I just don't see it because there's just, there's just too many other cases where more severe things have happened where the cop has actually been pent down held down and that person still comes out alive. So you, you just can't, you can't give it to me, but I thought it was important for you to know that. And that the medical examiners did rule it as a homicide. Um, you know, it's another case where I'm concerned where I don't know if justice will be served. Um, especially since she got a hold of the taser, um, and she's not here to tell her story. It's, it's a very, very heartbreaking story. Um, and the last thing guys that I want to talk about with hot topics is the abortion right movement. 
Now let's start first. I was listening to Sunny on The View and her voice and her stance was very similar as mine. Meaning that, no, I don't generalize and overall say abortion is the right thing to do, right? So some will call that pro-life. But I don't feel like I'm pro-life because there are too many situations. Well, well, let's start over. The first thing is I cannot tell anybody what to do with their body. You see what I'm saying? If that's what you want to do, do it. I'm not going to love you any less. I'm not going to talk to you any less. I'm not going to say condemn you to hell or anything like that, because in God's eyes, hello, a sin is a sin. So if God considers that a sin, me lying is a sin, me not doing this, me not paying my bills on time, me, uh, if I cheated on somebody, if I hit somebody, if I disrespect, all of it is the same. So I cannot tell anybody what is right and what is wrong, because that is not my place in the world. And And I've seen firsthand, there are some situations where it's rape, there's incest, there's things that happen where it is not appropriate and healthy to bring that child into the world. I've seen it firsthand and it is heartbreaking for you to force an individual to make a decision where they know they are not capable. And it's something that they were not even um, that they even give consent to be a part of. You're telling me if a woman is raped, you have to force her and to traumatize her to go through something that she doesn't want to go through. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. But the issue is, moving my opinion aside, is that no one has the right to tell people what to do. And people are like, oh, it's a, the abor- I said it, uh, the abortion rights and all this. I said it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Because what happens is you have to recognize that, uh, that laws and all these, um, you know, the laws and, and um, I'm drawing a blank. I'm just say this. The civil rights, the big first thing that passes comes to my mind. The Civil Rights Act of 1964. When we talk about voting rights for blacks, we talk about them, you know, changing the gym, getting rid of the Jim Crow laws and separate but equal and taking all of that out. You have to understand that that stuff is not permanent. That stuff continues. Those laws can change. Those laws can shift. So when we see something as big as this to ties back to Roy versus Wade, because in my opinion, that's the next step. And when they start changing and overturning these laws, don't think they don't have other people on the agenda. Don't think they have they don't have other stuff they're looking at and talking about that just hasn't reached us. So you got to be careful on how you maneuver and how you're rooting for things, because the very thing that you may be rooting for, you may be next on the list to have the challenge or have something taken from you. And that's how I see it. I've seen some studies that also say that this is population control and that the percentage is um, 64 percent. And I actually saw this on T.S. Madison's um, live feed yesterday. The 64 percent of abortions come from uh, white women and then and followed by Hispanic and black women. So it's like you're eliminating this, which will decrease the abortion rate for the population that will soon be the minority. So you have to wonder, is this really what's happening? And then also I look at it as abortion really is not going to stop. If you look at the times before Roy versus Wade, there's actually a great documentary on um, Netflix. And basically the laws had to come into place because so many women were dying because they were trying to abort their children. Um, in dangerous ways. And, you know, saying it just gives me cringes because the even, I think to have, to have to make the decision, first of all, if you're going to do it, to face the decision to even have that come into your mind is, 
is heavy. But then to know that you don't have any options, to know that people are going to condemn you and for you to take your own life on top of that, it's just a lot. But I say all that to say is that it's never really what it seems. There's always a bigger picture. There's always a hidden agenda. So I just need everyone that is looking at this, regardless of your rel- religious beliefs, just understand to and, and just understand what I'm saying, that this is not this is not the only thing that's coming. I feel like we are going to have to fight and have a voice bigger than we ever have. Because if you are taking away a woman's rights, who's to say that you won't take away voting rights, that you won't shift um, our ability to go to different schools and to do all of this and change the There's so much stuff that can trickle down. So be aware and understand that the agenda is not always what it seems. I hope you enjoyed today's You Tried It because. There are several situations where y'all tried it with Robert F. Smith, who's doing what he needs to do. The police department is trying it with Pamela Shante Turner, hashtag say her name. And that if you don't understand, in my opinion, that this is bigger than just abortion, you tried it. All right, guys, this is the end of this episode of It's Bigger Than Your Wildest Dream. I really hope you love this episode. I think I definitely talked about some things that are a little controversial, but I, it's just my job to make you think, you know, and I always like to be transparent enough to let you know where I stand. And I do think that, you know, my beliefs come from life's experience, being a social worker, um, being a Christian, you know, my values and beliefs may not always match up with yours. But at the end of the day, we have to make sure that we're protecting each other, that we support each other, even in our differences, so that we can unite and come together and figure out how we can be in this world and help each other and support each other. Um, If you have any questions, you want to contact me, you want to be on an episode, I will start back taking interviews for future podcasts. Um, You can email me at iheartfpp at gmail.com, I-H-E-A-R-T, forgiveness, patience, passion at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Um, Let's see. I know I said um a lot in this episode. I really got to get back working on that. But what I have going on this weekend, as I said in the last episode, I have a video shoot coming up this weekend. I actually did get confirmation that I am able to, as I'm creating this curriculum, it's not only exclusive to one platform. So I'm super excited. Now I just have to decide how exactly I want to do this. If I want to make um, a YouTube channel and have different topics within my YouTube channel, um, or if I want to just have it exclusively on my website, I have to figure that out. So that's another task that I'm working on, but getting my concept and material ready for this video shoot tomorrow. I go back to school tomorrow. It's my last semester of coursework, honey. So y'all pray for me, but it's just a lot going on. There's publications that I need to revise to submit. So it's busy, busy, busy season. The summer is about to be super busy. So Y'all pray for your sister, but let me know what's going on with y'all questions you have. I hope to hear from you soon. Take care. It's your girl, Marley.